started. Yeah. Is everyone ready? Is everyone in? Is there something on where coming? No, good to go. Okay, excellent. Hello, I'm James Arley. I'm a member here at um, Comical Ethical Society, and I'm um, chairing the meeting today. Uh, before we begin, uh, the fire safety procedure, which is very important, it's been on these slides rotating. I hope you've had a look. There's some fire exits there. If there's a fire or anyone looks a bit nervous and there's smoke going off, um, probably leave the building. Uh, there's exits there, um, banging the corridor there. Uh, the fire assembly point, though, is in Red Line Square, uh, which is at that way, which is probably where you came in. Uh, the assembly point is by the central Bertrand Russell, um, relevantly enough. Um, so, yeah, uh, welcome to the Commonwealth Ethical Society. Uh, <coughs> uh, as you can see, there's other stuff going on. At um, 2 pm today, I believe that after this, in this room, there's a discussion group. Is the person leading that here? Yeah. Would you like to say anything about it? Yeah. Right. Uh, would you like to plug the 2 pm chat? Is it? In this room. In this room. And what, what's it about this week? Is it just... No, it's whatever the members want to talk about. It's about whatever the members want to talk about. Brilliant, okay. Uh, what else we need to plug? Um, so, yeah, uh, there's, some short, there's a short history of Commonwealth Society name on the slide. You've probably seen that. So, the format today. Um, is going to be a lecture by our speaker, Johnny Scaranger. Uh, he's then going to take some questions, and um, and then we're going to go to the pub. Um, <laughs> is there anything else we need to say? Is there anything else? Okay, so let's get on with this. Let's get on with this. Our speaker today is um, Johnny Scaranger. Thank you, and I ask him an amazing name. So Johnny attended a fundamentalist Christian school in the 90s, where he learned that the Loch Ness monster disproved evolution. God's disproof of the NHS and that homosexuals were an abomination to God. He talks about what students learn in these schools today and what we should do when parents' right to the freedom of religion conflicts with their child's right to a sound education. Uh, Johnny is a PhD candidate at the Institute of Education, where he is researching the students' experiences in Britain's 50 accelerated Christian education schools. He has written for The Guardian, The Times Educational Supplement, New Humanist, Liberal Conspiracy. His broadcasts of appearances include BBC Radio 4, BBC 2, BBC Local Radio, Channel 4's 4.4 TV, and I believe he's also on the Podscution podcast. So, yeah, okay, uh, anyway, so yeah, without further ado, let's welcome our speaker, Johnny, who brought you a fascinating lecture. Johnny Scanlander, everyone. James, that thrilling and fast-paced introduction. <coughs> so, before I begin, I'd like to show you some footage of myself, aged 11, around the time that I started attending my fundamentalist Christian school. A lot of times when I talk about creationism at places I've found that everybody finds it incredibly funny, which is good, because you should laugh at things that are ridiculous. But, they fail to comprehend that this is a real thing that happens to real children. And I think I hope at least that showing you some footage of the effect that it had on me at the time will help to make it real to you what's happening in many of these schools. Why does my file disappear, James? If you want to meet your boat, Thank you. 
everything. Their original explanation is God. God is capable of everything and everything. Um, we can, uh, God can do all things. You know, there has to be something supernatural to make our Earth, you know. A wonders. A man could never make an Earth, you know. An accident, an accident, an accident. It's an insult. It's an insult to God. It's an insult to us man meant to say that we're accidents. Just. Alright, so, as you can see, I was almost as articulate then as I am now. <laughs> so that's me in my fundamentalist Christian school uniform, uh, age 11, same age I was in the video that you just saw. And when I left that school, I believed, as James said at the beginning, that the sun was shrinking at a rate of five feet per hour because nuclear fusion doesn't occur in the sun, as science claims, but rather the sun is a gas boiler that shrinks as it burns its fuel. And that proved that the solar system had to be less than 6,000 years old because if it were any older the sun, it would have swallowed up the earth. I also believed that it was against God's will for governments to provide healthcare. I believed it was a moral imperative parents and teachers to beat children. So I thought I'd show you what these schools are today and the information that I'm going to show you, although it's based partly on my experiences, it's also based on my research into what's happening at these schools now. I've, over the last year, obtained copies of the curriculum in accelerated Christian education schools, so all of the quotations from the curriculum that I'll give you are current. So. My actual kind of campaigning against accelerated Christian education began about 2009. There were news reports came out at that time that UK NARIC had approved the ICCE. So the UK NARIC is a government agency which assesses the comparability of international qualifications. If you're a student from somewhere in Europe and you want to attend a university in the UK, you'll write to UK NARIC to get a statement of comparability and they will say that your high school diploma from is equivalent to A-levels, and therefore you are eligible to attend university in the United Kingdom. UK NARIC says that qualifications involving accelerated Christian education were equivalent to A-level standard, and this <coughs> gave legitimacy to the fundamentalist schools that I was looking at. And having been to one of these schools, and then having done GCSEs and A-levels myself, I knew that this comparison was absurd. So I started to campaign against it. Now, you're probably thinking, what is the ICCE? So, it's the International Certificate of Christian Education, and it's based on accelerated Christian education. There are more than 50 schools in the UK that use accelerated Christian education, with a total of about 2,000 students involved. Now, that's not all of the creationist schools that there are in the UK. Um, you've probably heard of things like the Varley Academies that were in the news about 10 years ago. And there's also the Christian Schools Trust, which is a group of about 40 evangelical schools, uh, not all of which teach young earth creationism, but it's recommended that the schools do, and the majority of them do. But I'm particularly going to talk about accelerated Christian education today because that's the kind of school I went to, and that's what my research focuses on, and that's what I know about. So in 2011, which is the most recent year that I have figures for, there were 274 graduates of the International Certificate. Education. 
And what it meant when UK NARIC said that this qualification is equivalent to A-levels is that the schools that offer this qualification could then advertise to parents and say, your kids don't need to go to a normal school, they don't need to do A-levels and GCSEs because the qualification we offer is just as good and can get them into university just as well. So it meant that these schools gained the appearance of credibility from a government agency. This is the reality of accelerated Christian education for most students. The, these desks are referred to as offices internally, but Ofsted described them in reports as being the kind of modern equivalent of a medieval monk's cell. The desks are a couple of feet wide, and students will spend the majority of their working week at this space. The idea of the dividers is that students can't be distracted and can't communicate with other students. During work time, no talking is allowed and no interaction is allowed. It's a punishable offence even to be making eye contact in a meaningful way, or for supervisor judges to be a meaningful way. And students are working on these individualised worksheets that are called PACES, which is a packet of accelerated Christian education. Now these contain everything the child needs to know, so there's no discussion or group work during PACE time, and there's no external research, and there are no teachers. The teachers in these schools are called supervisors, because their job is just to see that the children complete their worksheets on their own, in silence, without misbehaving. So this is what they learn. This is year one of their science curriculum, and you can see that they're doing the six days of creation. And then come have a look a year later, and they're still doing the six days of creation. And then a year later again, they're doing the six days of creation. Now this is the first page of a paste that we're seeing here. So you'll see that religious knowledge and scientific knowledge are absolutely integrated within the curriculum. And that Bible memorization is a part of all subjects in all, all the time. So this is AC's selling point, if you like, that biblical instruction is integrated into the curriculum. Religious studies is not a separate subject, everything is done from a religious perspective. So within the science curriculum, they're learning about land, water and air, which are kind of legitimate things for the study of science, but they're also learning religion in terms of what God created on days one, two and three. And they're also learning a character goal, which is to learn to want to help others. That's kind of a pleasant one. Sometimes they're a bit more controversial, as we'll see. Um, and there's a Bible verse to be learned as well. This is how they do English. English is almost entirely taught as grammar. There's very little in the way of what we would think of as the classic study of literature, mostly because they consider secular, secular literature to be off limits. But Instead, they'll do grammar. So in this instance, the student is being asked to indicate the part of speech of the italicised word. Uh, but then the sentences will all be conveying the dogma of accelerated Christian education. So in this case, they're saying, why does God allow things like the death of a loved one to come into our lives? Well, his purpose is to draw us closer to himself. And you'll see in number four, he wants us to say, thank you, Lord. Uh, so... Some more English. English is also used for kind of propaganda purposes. So again, we've got grammar exercises here that students are expected to underline the infinitives in each sentence. But what this is telling the student is that the reason that Wilbur and Orville Wright were able to build a successful plane while others try and weren't is because they were Christians and God revealed to them the principles of aerodynamics. They will also learn 
uh, in this is uh, eighth grade, so year nine, the students would be expected to do this. Uh, later in year nine, they'll learn that J.S. Bach was the greatest composer because he was a Christian as well. Now, these are the more controversial character goals that I was talking about. So, comic strips are used throughout the curriculum as a way of reinforcing the dogma. Sometimes they're used for lessons, but as in academic lessons, but mainly they are used to teach proper Christian character. So in this one, the proper Christian character is submissiveness. Uh, the first box, I apologise for the low resolution, I downloaded this, and all of the pictures actually that you've seen so far from Accelerated Christian Education's website, so you can go and look yourselves, but I've had to blow this up from a lower resolution picture. Uh, the first one, Ace's dad is saying to him, oh yes, the main character is called Ace. Uh, Ace, will you please shine these shoes? And he's saying, yes, dad. And then the exercise is that the child has to write, I was submissive when, and then complete it. Now this is actually interesting for Ace because this is one instance of a time where there's not one correct answer. There's actually some creativity involved. It's very unusual. Normally, the blank that you have to write the answer on has one single correct answer because the world is black and white. It can be divided up in these ways. Now, here are some more examples of cartoons from Accelerated Christian Education. So, flexible is the character on the first one, and persuasive in the second, but actually if you look at each of them, the real message is about obedience. In the first one, Sandy's mother is asking her to help her cut a dress, and those are the things that women are asked to do, always reinforcing traditional gender roles as well. And Sandy doesn't do what she wants to do, but rather she obeys her mother. In the second instance, the teacher is saying that if your parents tell you to bring a raincoat, you must obey. The child says, what if it doesn't rain? Legitimate question. And the teacher says, the scripture says, if you obey, you will have long life. It is best to obey and trust parents' judgment. Parents are wiser than children. And, and then Becky, who gets it, says, teachers are wise too. You persuade us to do right by teaching God's word. Now, having completed these exercises, students proceed to this. This is a score station. Students mark their own work in Accelerated Christian Education from answer keys. Now, the reason this is possible is because everything has a single right answer. So, there is an advantage to this, which is that the schools don't have to employ qualified staff, and there's a disadvantage, which is that the schools don't have to employ qualified staff. Now, because there's a single right answer to everything, children go up, they check their work, they have to get permission to go up and check their work, actually. They look at the answer key, they write down, if they get something wrong, they have to mark it with a red pen, return to their office, correct it, and then go back and look in the score key again to see if they've got it right. Now, obviously, a system like this is rife with opportunity for cheating. And one of the problems with UK NARIC saying that these qualifications are equivalent to A-level is even if we accept that if the children work to the best of their abilities, then that it is, which I don't accept, we'll come to that. But we can't know that the children haven't cheated prolifically all the way through the system because if the child writes something nonsense on a blank, and then goes up and looks at talking and goes, oh dear, I got it wrong, I've got to go and write the right answer. They've then seen the answer and they've got it from the school key. So it's just a preposterous way to see. So here's an example of science test question that isn't about religion for a change. 
So an autotroph is a blank. Now, the correct answer there is producer. But what does this actually tell you about the child's knowledge of the subject? Because uh, George Martin and Rick Rubin are also producers, but they're not presumably producers in the sense that an autotroph is a producer. So what does that mean? Does this prove to us that the child has understood what they're supposed to learn here? I'm going to give you an example to show you what I mean. So if anyone speaks Latin, keep your mouth shut at this point. But uh, I'd like you to look at this and memorise it. In fact, if you could say it out loud with me, Stacorum pro cerebro habes. Stacorum pro cerebro habes. Stacorum pro cerebro habes. Okay, good. So you feel like you've got in your head what that means? If I show you this, can you tell me what's missing? Cerebro, thank you. So, do you understand? No. no. This is the problem with rote learning on this crass level, is that getting the correct answer only proves that you've memorised something. It doesn't even prove that you've understood it, much less that you can do anything useful with it. Now, what that actually means is you have shit brains. <laughs> now, having, I think, explained to you roughly how the system works, I thought I'd talk to you about the kinds of things that you'll encounter as you're in the curriculum. So one of these is that traditional gender roles, as I've already pointed out, are reinforced everywhere uh, this is from a fourth grade, I think, social studies booklet. So this would be for children in about year four or year five in the UK. Children work through the paces at their own speed, so the age that they'll be when they're doing any given pace is, is variable, but this is intended for children that are about nine years old. So the mother is saying, Ace, your father is the head of our home. It is God's plan for the father to be the head of his family. I talk to your father about things, but he is the one who decides what we must do. I would do wrong, sick, not to obey your father, because he is the head of our home. God is pleased when a mother obeys the father in the home. Now, because of... What's interesting about this? I mean, that is a view which I don't agree with, but I think is a legitimate view that an adult could hold, I suppose. I would want to, want to oppose it, but you know, people have freedom of opinion. AC robs children of is the freedom to develop these opinions because there's only ever one right answer and there can't be any discussion. And even if the teacher in your school happens to disagree with something that is taught in a pace, when it comes to the time for the test, you still have to put the right answer on the blank or, or get marked down on the test. And religious material and political material and academic material are conflated on the test in such a way that if you write an answer that is incorrect by AC's political views, you could find yourself getting a lower mark in English or science. What else do we learn? Are dinosaurs still alive today? With some recent photographs and testimonies of those who claim to have seen one, scientists are becoming more convinced of their existence. So the point that AC wants to make is this. According to the evolutionary model, dinosaurs went extinct about 65 million years ago. According to their young earth creationist model, this happened about 4,000 years ago. And dinosaurs were probably on the ark, according to them. Which means that some of them may have survived in obscure locations in the world. And they say that this would disprove evolution if it were true. Now, 
It wouldn't, of course, because there are lots of examples of evolutionary stasis and things like sharks and crocodiles haven't changed a great deal in the last few million years. But that, we can accommodate that within the evolutionary model. So their, their premise is flawed, but that's their argument. Now, another thing that's interesting here is you'll see that the word scientists here actually means creationists. And language is cleverly loaded in a lot of ways within accelerated Christian education materials to subtly change the meaning in a slightly Orwellian fashion. So, scientist is one example. The word scientist almost always refers to a young earth creationist within the paces. <coughs> if they want to talk about a mainstream biologist, they will call it an evolutionist. And the implication is that evolution is an ism. It's a belief. And, and they'll say that it's a, a system, a pack of philosophies that go together. And quite often they'll imply that eugenics is tied up or explicitly even. Another thing here is the scientific method is, is being somewhat corrupted because, look, they're saying that with some recent photographs and testimonies of those who came to scientists are coming convinced. So this is suggesting that these are the standards of evidence that scientists work by, which, yeah, thank you. Uh, I doesn't bode well for a child that wants to leave ACE and go on to study science because the standards of evidence are corrupted. Let me see this. This, you'll notice, is an artist's impression, not the original photo. Presumably they didn't have a budget for the original photo, but this is, I've seen the original photo, it's actually a fairly good replication. So this is, I don't know if any of you have ever come across this before, this is a body that was brought up by the Japanese trawler Zuiomaru in 1977. Now, this caused a great fuss in the world press in 1977 when it happened, because as you can see, this body looks superficially dinosaur-like, or, or plesiosaur-like, which is is the same thing. Um, unfortunately, it's a basking shark. This is what basking sharks look like when they decay. In 1978, papers were published in scientific journals saying, we've looked at, we've done tissue samples, and various lines of evidence all point to this having been a basking shark. But creationists, of course, were very disappointed by this finding, so they ignored it. <laughs> so this, in 1977 this was found. In 1977, still scientists said this is actually a basking shark. And in 1978, they published papers arguing that it was a basking shark. In 1989, Accelerated Christian Education first included this in their curriculum as evidence against evolution. They revised the curriculum in 1995 and left it in. And then they revised the curriculum again in 2001 and left it in. And it's still there today. If you go to the Institute of Education Library, virtually just over the road from here, you'd have to pay for a visitor's pass, but you can actually look, they've got this book in stock. And you'll see they purchased it at the tail end of 2012 and, and it's still in the curriculum now. So this says to me that the people that are writing this just don't care what's true, as long as it's reinforcing their dogma, because there's no way that in the intervening 25 years between when this was discovered to be a basking shark and when they last printed a book using this as an argument, they didn't hear someone say, actually, this isn't true. It's even on a list of arguments from answers in Genesis, the creationist body, saying that this is an argument that creationists shouldn't use because it's so bad. It's one of 13 such arguments that are still in the Accelerated Christian Education curriculum now. Then they say, 
Have you heard of the Loch Ness Monster? Nessie has been recorded on sonar, described by eyewitnesses, and photographed by others. Nessie appears to be a plesiosaur. Again, you can see this corruption of the scientific method. We've got this thing described by eyewitnesses, as though that these, this is how science proceeds. So, this is not, unfortunately, an isolated incident within the Accelerated Christian Education curriculum. This is a book called After the Flood by Bill Cooper, BA Honours, who I think we should do the honour of recording him the full title that he wishes to be known by. So, Bill Cooper, BA Honours, has written this book, the subtitle of which is The Early Post-Flood History of Europe Traced Back to Noah. This is exactly what it sounds like. Now, Bill Cooper is from the UK. We don't have as many creationists in the UK as they have in Australia and America, but the ones we have are much, much better. <laughs> so, I mean, the creation science movement is, is much more extreme than answers in Genesis, for example. And so this book, which is published by the creation science movement, is astounding. It, it does what the subtitle says that it's going to do. It claims to trace the genealogy from modern times back to Noah, proving that the biblical account is true. Basically, the way it's done this is every time there is a character in mythology anywhere in the world with a name that's vaguely similar to one of Noah's sons, or of Noah himself, they say, he goes, aha, that's Japheth, or that's Ham, or that's Shem, proving that these lines, this lineage is traced back. So, we're using other mythical characters to prove the existence of other mythical characters. It's great. Now, this is on the literature syllabus for students in accelerated Christian education on the ICC in the UK. In America, they do another book called Did Man Just Happen, which is also a fantastic read. But this is the one that they do in the UK. This was introduced last year. Now, in addition to the title claim, what it also claims is it makes the same claim about the Japanese trawler plesiosaur that we've just seen. Uh, and it also takes any time there's an instance of a mythical creature, anywhere in folk tales, mythology, it uses Beowulf, it uses stories about King Arthur and Merlin, it, it uses reports from um, Welsh mythology as well. Anytime there's a story about a dragon or a monster of any description, it says this is evidence that dinosaurs and humans have coexisted within the last thousand years. It even claims that dinosaurs lived in Wales as recently as the beginning of the 20th century. <laughs> so this is, by creationist standards, extreme stuff. I think a majority of creationists would raise their eyebrows at this even. But this is, this is on the literature syllabus. This is a compulsory book that students doing the International Certificate of Christian Education have to study. And although it's in the literature syllabus, it's not treated as fiction. The majority of the books on the literature syllabus are not fiction books, or at least they're not marketed as fiction books. There's another book called When Science Fails, which explodes the naive assumption that science has all the answers. And most of the rest of them are biographies and missionaries, including Hudson Taylor, who evangelized China, or um, a biography of Abraham Lincoln, told from an evangelical perspective. Politics coverage is, if anything, more concerning than science coverage, I think. There is no attempt whatsoever 
to say that there is more than one acceptable view. There is to see only one way of looking at everything, and that is the correct one. So that's the one that children must memorise. So this is a chart of the political spectrum which occurs actually in an, in an English unit. Now, 
question, I think, here, I don't think anybody is he, that here is going to argue that this is right. Because if you're the kind of person that believes this is right, you would be somewhere else at 11.30 on a Sunday morning. <laughs> but these are all, all private schools, with one exception that I'll come to, they don't receive any public funding. So the question is, do, does the government, or do we, have any right to interfere with what parents choose to do with their own money and with the raising of their own children? Now, there are certain instances where we are quite comfortable with interfering with the rights of parents. And that is when children are clearly being abused. Where physical abuse is occurring, we're quite comfortable taking children away from their parents. Well, maybe not comfortable, but you know, it's, it's seen as a necessary last resort in some instances. <coughs> Do we have the right to tell parents that they can't teach this stuff to their children because it's harming them? I guess that boils down to how harmful you think this is. So I'm going to look at some reasons why I think this is harmful. And you can see really all persuaded that this is enough for us to say that government ought to intervene on some level to regulate what happens in Christian private schools. So this is what children learn about linguistics. Actually, that's what I want. Here we go. So that picture on the right is a picture of the Tower of Babel being constructed. And what they're saying is that all the modern theories that linguists have about the development of language are wrong because the true answer is found in Genesis 11, 1 to 9, the story of the Tower of Babel. They describe the other theories moments as ridiculous as well as historically inaccurate. Now, this means that if you take ACE at their word here, you can't study linguistics because they're saying that linguistics is off limits because it uses evolutionary ideas and those are immoral and wrong and bad and we shouldn't listen to them because they'll corrupt you. Linguistics isn't the only subject which is affected by this. Obviously, biology is affected, and geology is affected, and astronomy and cosmology are affected. But there are other more surprising subjects that you might find as well. Psychology is one as well. If you take the ACE counselling course, which is an optional module for sixth form level students, it will tell you that all the modern theories of psychology or psychiatry or psychoanalysis are based on atheistic ideas and should be ignored in favour of a system which is based purely on the Bible. Then what about archaeology and ancient history? Evolutionists would have us believe that man first made use of softer metals during the so-called Copper Age. This, they tell us, was followed by the use of a copper alloy which occurred during the supposed Bronze Age. Then, as man evolved intellectually, scare quotes, he discovered how to use iron, and so the Iron Age began. Both archaeology and the Bible contradict this view of metallurgical evolution. As biblical proof, the book of Genesis refers to Tubal-Cain as an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. According to biblical records, Tubal-Cain, who lived about 3200 BC, used both brass and iron long before the Iron Age supposedly began! Exclamation mark. Now, again, biblical proof... Well, the Bible doesn't say Tubal-Cain lived about 3200 BC. That's a number that ACE have pulled out of the air based on their assumptions about when the book of Genesis was written. Um, the Bible doesn't say anything of the kind. 
But again, the Bible is taken as being the standard of evidence here, not any other kind of proof. And anything that contradicted the Bible is wrong. They actually teach students, if a theory contradicts the Bible, then the theory is wrong and must be discarded. That's just the scientific method according to ACE. So archaeology and ancient history become, again, subjects that are off-limits for students to study because, well, for one thing, anything that happened more than 6,000 years ago maybe didn't happen because the world didn't exist. So that really concludes my argument. I think that by indoctrinating children in this way, you restrict their autonomy, their freedom of religion is restricted because they don't have the opportunity to think and decide for themselves what they want to believe. And the subjects that they can study and the careers that they can realistically pursue are also restricted, partly because of the low quality of academic education they have, but partly because they are explicitly told that these things are ungodly and not to be pursued. So I'm going to actually end here and take questions for the rest of the time. I have many, many more things that I can tell you about. Um, these are ways places you can find out more. Leaping Fundamentalism is my blog. Adonis Gunnarang is my Twitter. The Guardian page has two articles on this subject that I've written for The Guardian. And there's a Facebook page for those of you who are interested in such things. All right, thank you very much.
front space that they were going to have. Uh, and, and because I was, I hadn't been living in this fundamentalist bubble, I didn't have any uh, cultural reference points in common with any of my new classmates. They, people asked me if I liked the band of Food Fighters. I didn't know who Food Fighters were. I'd been going to a fundamentalist school. I hadn't seen any of the TV programs my friends watched or, or watched any of the same films. So, so the process of tran transitioning was very difficult, but it, it did mean that I began to get something like a decent education, which in years to come, and I started asking the right questions and was able to think my way out of a fundamentalism. So, yeah, I had a lucky escape. How early on did they put you in the little offices? Because surely you can't control really young kids to just. Yeah, the three year olds are in the little offices as well. They have more supervision and like supervisors read stuff to them. If you go on the British Humanist Association website, they've got scans from what they do in preschool. Like they start science when they're three years old, and they, what they begin by doing is they have pictures of things like fish and birds, and like the sky, the sun and the moon, and they have to circle which day of the week God made those things on. So, actually, before I say the next question, since we're on that subject, I said there's one exception to which of these schools have received government funding, and that is the preschools. There's currently a thing called the government nursery voucher scheme, which means that independent supplies of early years foundation stage education can parents can, can get a voucher from the government and, and use it at an independent school. And currently in the current academic year, Carmel Christian School in Bristol, which uses accelerated Christian education, has 17 students that have government funding to be there under this scheme. And in the past five according to their also report, in the past five years, six ACE schools have received funding in this way. So that is something else as well to fill your hearts with joy. Okay, I'm taking the question now. Anti-Semitic. I mean, it's it's 
you know, it's Zionist, obviously, that the history curriculum teaches that God has been on the side of Israel. Um, thinking about what there is on the history course, certainly, no, it's more that if, if there is if there is anti-Semitism, it's it's hidden under that evangelical cloak of being vigorously pro-Israel. Obviously, they're pro-Israel because they believe that that has to happen in order for the Antichrist to rise and for Jesus to return. Um, there's, the, the emphasis is very much on Jews as God's chosen people. So there, I'd say there's racism within the curriculum. Um, historically, some, some quite vicious racism, um, which they've had to backpedal on as they've expanded into Africa particularly. But it used to say that, um, in fact, they didn't want to update this. I, I took, uh, eight years after apartheid fell in South Africa, I was studying the curriculum and I learned that if apartheid fell in South Africa, it would not improve the situation. And that if blacks took control of the economy, they might destroy everything that the country had worked so hard for. Um, but no, I can't think of any examples of anti-Semitism so much. Interestingly, 
uh, a friend of mine who, like me, has broken out of the brainwashing, uh, told me that his mother is still very involved in Salvation Christian Education and, and lobbies the government as best she can on behalf of them. And she spoke to go before he was elected, and he was highly sympathetic. Thank you for being. I would like to explore the aspect of child abuse. And some categories of child abuse have been more or less well defined physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. Would it be appropriate to coin the term or talk about educational abuse? Um, and the other aspect of child abuse as well, you mentioned. One example was that what they teach about homosexuality in their school. And statistically, some of the pupils are um, most likely to be homosexual. So do you agree that they are subjected to emotional abuse in their language? Oh, excellent question. Thank you for that. I, as far as calling it abuse, I tend to, I tend to shy away from, from calling this abuse because uh, I mean, Lawrence Krauss and Richard Dawkins, for example, have said that teacher creationism is child abuse. And I feel that some instances of child abuse are so horrific that to put this on quite the same level is, is perhaps making light of the, the evils that other children are subjected to. But certainly neglect would be a term that I would I'd be happy to use. And, and I, um, as for whether gay children in this experience emotional abuse, I think quite possibly. And again, I've got a couple of, of gay participants in my study for my PhD that I haven't interviewed yet, but I will be speaking to. And I'll be very interested to see if, if they knew that they were gay while they were in the system, and if they did, what that was like for them. Because it seems to me that that must be an awful, awful thing to go through to Straightforward, that there's not really any interpretation involved. 
So if you read the Bible, you will come to the same conclusions as them. <coughs> the Bible is the Word of God. If you disagree with them, therefore, you disagree with the Word of God. So you're just wrong. And so they, they actually said, in, in 1987, an academic paper in a uh, journal called Fried Arts Academy absolutely ripped ACE apart. And they gave ACE a right of reply. And the representative, the vice president of ACE, writing in response, says, ACE doesn't consider sources on the basis of whether they're scholarly or critical. In order to be worthy of consideration, a source must be, at a minimum, pro-Bible, pro-family, and pro-conservative. Not even for them to agree with it, just for them to consider it as being worth, worth listening to. So someone like, like my supervisor, my PhD, is Michael Rice, who is a Christian, but an evolutionary biologist. But they would just say, well, he's not a real Christian. So I'm not going to see what he has to say. So it's, it's quite, this is why it's unfortunate, because obviously the most desirable thing would be to come to a satisfactory compromise with people who run these schools and say, how can we provide an education for your children, which you're happy with, which isn't just neglecting them hideously. But because they're not prepared to negotiate, because they see compromise as being unchristian, it gets to the point where it starts to look like legislation is the only way to deal with this. Yeah, um, hi, thanks for an excellent talk. Um, if I can ask a personal question, what's your relationship like with your family, uh, given your, your current status? Yeah, well, my, my dad died in 2002, when I was 17. He was still very much of the faith at the time, and I was struggling with not really knowing what I believed. And I, so he, if he had lived probably my mum has a kind of, I always feel bad, I kind of dragged her with me on my way of thinking. I don't know if I've like, reverse indoctrinated her, but um, I, yeah, she, she's come to see things the same way that I see them now, and is actually uh, funding my PhD research, because she feels so strongly that what was done to me is wrong and shouldn't happen to other children. You mentioned a brother as well. I do have a brother, yes. Um, yeah, he has no strong opinions, I don't think. Um, Science test that you'll take in year 10 
the uh, students have to write, the theory of blank is absurd. And 
been to Accelerated Christian Education to write for me, and many of them describe um, intense periods of intellectual struggle after leaving the school to kind of try to come to terms with things, because you either face a world that's hostile to your beliefs on leaving, or you have to deal with the fact that everything you thought you knew was true is in fact completely false, you have to start again from scratch. Um, not many people have described the kind of dramatic meltdown that I had in school. I haven't met any of us that came across that. But I met other people that had kind of depression or psychological problems as a result of it. So it's interesting because it's only the people that reject the system, I think, that have really the psychological problems. And if you continue in fundamentalism and believe it's all true, then you're like, well, my education was great. They told me the truth. Win. <laughs> Research, but what you have to say about broader creationism? Yeah. 
Well, I'm not very worried about creationism gaining traction in mainstream. Actually, I'll talk to you about the qualified teachers thing first, I guess, since you brought that up first. I'm, I'm not certain whether I think that all schools should be required to have teachers with a formal teaching qualification. I have a teaching qualification. It was while I was qualifying that I realised how bad ACE is fully from an academic point of view and started to want to do something about it. But, I mean, independent schools have traditionally not employed qualified teachers, but there's been a kind of expectation from parents that I have competent teachers at least. But with ACE, it's something rather different because the training that they give their teachers is five days of indoctrination into the system and then boom, you just go. Um, so it may be now that we're at the point where there is a case for having qualified teachers. I'm not sure what I think about that. So that was my unhelpful answer to that part of your question. So the, the wider creations movement. Um, yeah, like all the, obviously there's policy that free schools can't teach creationism. Truth in science seemed to be quite well deflected when they made that bid to get into the, to the mainstream. ACE is more extreme than other creationist movements and they would re regard intelligent design, for example, as an unacceptable compromise. So, I think that, I think the wider creationism is worrying, but it's it seems like it can only realistically get to adults it, because, because it can't get into get onto the primary curriculum. And I think that it's just much more worrying when you can indoctrinate children than adults that have already had a decent science education. They need to have some big gaps in your science education to fall for creationism as an adult with no prior exposure. It does happen, but it's baffling. So I'm more concerned about ACE and schools like it. Uh, can you tell us who provides the money for these schools and why, and who provides the children who go to these schools and why? Right. Yeah. Um, so the schools are all private, and they all really, really struggle to be financially viable in the UK. One thing, I mean, if any government power in the UK talking about a schools voucher programme, then we need to be absolutely crystal clear that creationist schools are not eligible because they would go overnight from being not viable to being profitable enterprises and then would be in big trouble. The school that I was in, for example, was losing hundreds of pounds a month um, and then eventually the pastor did a bunk with all the money that was remaining in the charity account and went to America um, where he is in hiding from the charity commission. The, um, so, the, yeah, they not, they're not, don't have any big central backing, as far as I'm aware. They somehow scrape by on the, on the low fees that they charge to evangelical parents. Now, the parents that send their children to these schools, it's interesting because I doubt that many of them have the extreme Christian right views that ACE teaches, for example, because there isn't really a strong Christian right presence in the UK. Even creationists in the UK and evangelicals and people that believe in biblical inerrancy are not necessarily of the Sarah Palin bent politically. But what attracts parents to these schools in particular is that for bullying is vanishingly rare in these schools. And obviously evangelical children who, like me, tell their friends that they're going to hell do put themselves at risk of bullying in, in mainstream schools. So 
that's that's one thing. Uh, some parents' um, creationism is a primary concern, and traditionally, a primary concern has been corporal punishment. ACE, as recently as the turn of the century, has in its manuals for staff pictures of children bent over chairs receiving spankings with wooden implements, because and it was, you know step by step instructions for teachers on how to do this, because it was obviously felt you know in, in accordance with the spirit of proverbs that. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but the, the rod of correction should drive it far from him. So now that spanking in that way is illegal in schools, what my school did when the law changed was just to change the rules so that parents had to come in and administer the spanking themselves. Uh, and, and my assumption is that that still happens in ACE school, but I know when ACE will speak to me, obviously, because I've somewhat lost my pocketbook with them. Um, so yeah, it's parents that want a biblical education for their children. I think that some of the parents, not all, but some of the parents who send their kids to these schools don't really know what they get taught because the kids work in silence on their own. And unless the parents make the effort to look at it, they're not going to know. And I think that some parents would be shocked if they really, if they really looked. So that's part of the reason why I try and make a noise about this. I think some parents, if they actually stopped and thought to think about what their children are being subjected to, would actually not be as keen on it as they think they are. The trouble is that those the tests 
accelerated Christian education use because they're based yeah. so much on rote learning. They're not a meaningful way of telling whether the students have ability or not. Yeah, what I was thinking was that if they found that they couldn't get both with these certificates, yeah. then they would be obliged to do A-levels and get a belt of normality. Yeah.
Fran Racy admitted that it was brainwashing. So I think they knew. I think fairly explicitly what they were doing. Um, and they're probably okay with it because you think about it from their point of view, it's pretty much a moral imperative to see to it that children become Christians. If you seriously think that if children don't have these beliefs, then they're going to go to hell, then you'll do what it takes. From their point of view, it would almost be negligent to do anything else. To risk your children going to hell would be the immoral thing to do. As we've seen with other matters of policy where religious belief crosses over into the public sphere, and we see religious groups band together for things like gay marriage and freedom of speech, do we see that at an educational level? Or are there sort of divisions between sort of church in England, school leaders, faith school leaders, AC school leaders, etc.? Yeah. I'm not aware of AC ever cooperating with anyone on anything. It's quite profoundly cult-like. Uh, the closest thing to such a, a um, collaboration I can think of is this thing called the Bridge Schools Inspectorate, which is very worrying. Which is that rather than being inspected by Ofsted, members of the Christian Schools Trust, which by and large are not ACU schools, there's one or two accelerated Christian education schools within, within it, but mainly they are other types of creationist schools. The Christian Schools Trust banded together with the Muslim Schools Association of Britain, I think it's called, um, to form its own inspectorate, so that they would inspect each other, or essentially inspect themselves, more accurately, and they wouldn't have to be inspected by Ofsted. Now, that seems indefensible to me, it seems like such an obvious conflict of interests, but that's, that's one area where that, that kind of collaboration I've seen, but that's the only one I can think of. Do all these fundamentalists Use the same version of the Bible. <laughs> are, are they open-minded enough to be looking into the new translations by uh, linguists going back to the original texts? Yeah, that's a very excellent question. Um, they're probably the AC are not part of the King James only movement, which you, which you may have heard of. There are Christians that maintain that the only word of God is the King James Bible. And they call it the King James Bible, not the King James Version, because as far as they're concerned, there are no other versions. There is only the King James Bible. Now, how you can believe that one translation into English of Greek and Hebrew text is the authoritative word of God, beyond me. But there are Christians about that. AC only uses King James in its own writing, but they do allow students to use other translations when they're writing out their own Bible verses. So they're not as strict as some. But I suspect that they would argue that things like the Revised Standards and other ones which are done by textual scholars are um, have liberal bias, is the phrase that they would use, liberal being a swear word to ACE. Um, and actually, there's another, liberal is another word which has the same Orwellian definition going on in, in the curriculum. If they describe something as liberal, it means evil. Um, so, yeah, they probably would not be inclined to accept the translations that we might regard as more authoritative. Are you yourself out of interest looking at some of the very recent translations? Um, I'm, I'm interested in textual criticism and things like that. 
um, it's not um, it's not really a part of my PhD. Still not quite clear about the, where the word accelerated comes from. <laughs> about 20 years ago, there was a, a movement that amounted to a shady cult called Accelerated Learning. And as far as I know, even for all their lack of transparency and rather sinister ways, there were a genuine attempts to boost the educational opportunities of Afro-Caribbean children, uh, which presumably means they were Christian. So A, does this, these, this group, these churches, these schools, do they derive from that movement? And if not, where does it seem as they, their aim seems to be retardation? Why is the word accelerated used <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not aware of accelerated learning. I think it's quite unlikely that they're related in any way. Accelerated Christian education started in Texas in 1969. Um, so I think that that's just coincidence, uh, the names there. Um, the reason that it's called accelerated is because these worksheets, paces that the children work through, they work through them at their own speed. In theory, the, the aim was for children to complete 60 of them per year, that's what they said an average child would do. But the, the point was that a more able child could work through them more quickly and not have to wait for the rest of the class to complete the same level of work. So you could, the sales pitch, which sounds appealing, doesn't work so well in practice, is that children that struggle can just go at their own speed and master the material when they're ready to move on. And likewise, children that are very able and want to move quickly can race through it and graduate early if they want to. When I was hating the system profoundly when I was 14, you're supposed to do 60 of those books a year. I decided I was going to do 100, so I could graduate sooner. And I did. It almost killed me. It was the worst thing I've ever done. Um, people told me it would be a brilliant sense of achievement, but of course it wasn't because I'd ceased to value the curriculum. So doing 100 of them wasn't, wasn't it. It was no achievement at all. Um, but that's why I say it's accelerated, because the, the possibility was there for me to do 100 if I wanted to.
and is now really disregarded by all educational theorists. So there may have been at that time, possibly, but AC is pretty unique in trying to reuse this sort of system now. And they, they're absolutely evangelical about it. They're convinced it's the way education should be. I cannot forget a little life about the languages, the linguistic perspective. Um, I just wanted to know what, how are languages put in this school, and how do the students perceive learning other languages? Um, well, my experience was that by and large they weren't, but where children do foreign languages, they learn the same way they learn everything else, through these workbooks uh, with accompanying audio CDs to, to teach them the pronunciation. So again, it's just children working through, filling the blank exercises. You know, here's a Spanish sentence with a word missing instead of here's an English one. Can you put the right word on that blank? Congratulations, you speak Spanish. Um, and are the results uh, better compared to other schools? I wouldn't have thought so. Um, I, didn't, I, I left, my school just started the Spanish course at the time of my epic meltdown, and I left. So I had exactly two weeks of Spanish under my belt. They just they do suffer, and I, I do get reports from people that really struggle because you know, they finished high school with an inadequate education. Um, in fact, slower students are penalised by the system regardless of what they say because the schools have a thing called honour roll, which is if you complete a minimum number of workbooks in a year and memorise a minimum amount of scripture in that time, then you get enormous privileges, day trips other fun activities that the children that haven't completed that work just don't get. And those and those goals, that target is the same for everybody, regardless of ability. And in the shorter term, there's also a system called privilege, where children that have memorised scripture and completed enough work and done Christian service can qualify for varying levels of extra break time and other rights and privileges, including being allowed to score your own work without having to ask permission first, and other wonderful things. And obviously, the lesser able children just don't get this, and then just become second-class citizens. Friday afternoons, for example, the children will do field trips or fun activities uh, if they qualify for privilege. And the less able students that haven't qualified for privilege have to do more pace work in that time instead. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's this new thing called the Apostasy Project. I'm coming from the word apostate, meaning people who have left religion. And Alan Shahar, author of the Young Atheist Handbook, uh, is the uh, mover and shaker behind it, along with Casper Melville of the Rationalist Association. Uh, he has assembled a band of people that used to be members of various religions, uh, and we're looking to kind of complete the set. But at the moment, we've got um, mainly ex-Christians and ex-Muslims, um, but I think we've got I think we've got some other religions represented as well. And the it's the plan is to form a service where people that think that they might want to leave their religion behind but don't know how to go about doing this, don't have any support network, don't know anyone that is religious, don't know how to face their family, uh, can, can speak to people from the same religion as them, read things that those people have written, or ask them questions directly, and, and find a support network in that way. So that's being run by the Rationalist Association, and I'm <coughs> Rationalist Association at rationalism.org.uk. I don't know what the web address is for the apostasy project yet. I think it is apostasy. So I think that that needs to be that needs to be changed in that way. 
I think that teaching creationism as science just needs to, the rules that they set in place for free schools need to be applied to independent schools as well, so that evolution has to be taught in science um, and creationism can't be taught in science. And, um, do I have a third? Uh, yes, the promotion, again, this is now in the framework for Ofsted inspectors, but they need to start enforcing it. These schools, by law, are supposed to encourage tolerance and, and mutual respect for other beliefs and opinions. Now, they're not doing that, and it's impossible to do that in use ACE. Just, they teach that everyone else that doesn't believe what they believe is a sinner and is going to hell. They teach that other religions are essentially inspired by Satan. Um, that, so, again, so that, the legislation has already left that. It just needs to be enforced. Problematic to teach any religion from the point of view of you ought to believe this, but I think teaching about religion is absolutely to be encouraged. Yes, you, you didn't say much about what they teach about the devil. Now, the devil's very creations. He created the European song contest. <laughs>